young kids that can show up on time, pen at the ready, and be coachable. And if they don't have bad habits, I can mold them from a squire to a knight. I'll take a hot shot that comes in, but they can also muck things up and, and rock the boat. And for me, my longevity came from nurture. It came from these people that came in that I could balance their bike, play pinball with them. Because if you're not playing pinball with me, Lart, then you really shouldn't be working with me. <laughs> I was about to ask, are you asking them to play pinball with you? Listen, my man, if you can't chill... Yeah, it's not, then, then you're really not in the right place. So it's very easy for me to filter out naturally who can relax for a minute so we can build together. And so I can then delegate, give more responsibilities and grow from there. Yeah. One, one of the best advice I ever received well, years ago, uh, it was doing a management course, I think. Uh, it, uh, the, the, the trainer said, remember, it's all your job. Welcome to episode 157. I'm joined by Richard Blank, the CEO and founder of Costa Rica's call center, which he established in 2008. According to Richard, a successful business needs consistency and the ability to get back from setbacks. Let go of some weights that make you become the bottleneck and to embrace change through trials and error while having fun. And last but not least, you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. However, most entrepreneurs still need help with this. Maybe it's because their CEO's ego is too strong and stop them from letting go of certain weights in the business. Or maybe they're spending too much time studying data and analyzing the charts before they decide what tasks they should delegate to whom. In any case, Richard tells us how we can navigate all the complexity of entrepreneurship with his 16 plus year of business experience. Richard is right, many entrepreneurs need help navigate their journey. Download the bottleneck index on my website, which is the only tool in the world that will help you identify your hidden bottlenecks, assess the potential impact on your business, and provide you with practical recommendation. It's free, it takes two minutes, and you get instant results. You will find the link in the show notes. And now let's turn to our conversation. Hey, Richard, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Lauren, so happy to be here. I love your show. You got greatest audience, and I think we're going to crack a lot of these bottleneck entrepreneur codes that we're looking to do today. So let's see what we can do. Oh, funny. So you're joining uh, me from Costa Rica. Costa Rica. From beautiful Central America, yes. Yeah. I mean, Finland. We couldn't be uh, so far away. <laughs> so far away. <laughs> so um, I, have, I have a very important question to, uh, to start with. On your LinkedIn profile, you claim you have the largest collection of restored American pinball machines and antique Rocola jukeboxes in Central America. This is a very bold statement. How many do you have? But here's the beauty of it. Instead of competitors, we're really colleagues. It's such a small group of collectors here yeah. that the mechanics and the electricians know the guys, so we know them. And sometimes when they visit... We like, we play and we show the games, but I'm currently at 15 pinball machines. Wow. 
My oldest is a 1970 Bally's Camelot. And my newest, you're going to laugh, is a last action hero. And so um, I really collect yeah. from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. It's funny because last night I had, I had uh, dinner in a, in a restaurant in a, in a city uh, not far from Helsinki. And they had pinball machines there, like five or six of them. Sure. <laughs> I was like, wow. And it reminded me, it reminded me, sorry, of my, you know, when I was at school and playing, playing, uh, pitball. How did you develop such a passion? Growing up in the seventies and eighties, I was very good at the joystick button machines. I can yeah. play asteroids for a half an hour, but you know, you try to get on a pinball machine that didn't last long. It was such a luxury. It was like that high school senior cheerleader. You think it was way out of your league. You just couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't do it. <laughs> so, um, I realized that one man's machine that they're not using, I, I would be able to come in and restore and get them to their original beauty. But it's just different from just playing the game. Some people just mm -hmm. hit the flippers and enjoy the lights and the sounds, but. Really, it's the marquee, especially if it's original. Mm. And if you have play fields that were wood instead of the laminates or the stickers, you're talking about painted wood. So each one has its own individual cracks, which gives its own role. But the outside of the machine and certain little features, I mean, they're, they're beautiful works of treasure. And, and the same thing with these jukeboxes right behind me is a 1961 Ricola Regis. Nice. And it's funny because. Everywhere in the world, you have these local markets. Yeah. So I look on there, and these guys are just giving them away. I just got to drive four hours <laughs> up in the mountain. <laughs> I'll get Bobby and Jimmy and Joey, and there we go. Next <laughs> thing you know, my wife's like, another one? <laughs> but yeah. we got the room at the call center. And so um, I created a gamification culture. Lauren, it's very nice to have this happy medium where recess, as we were growing up as children, now that we're adults, we can't play. In fact, people make fun of it or show movies of adults acting like children, like it's out of place. Listen, we can work hard and make money, but instead of smoking a cigarette or being on Instagram by yourself, why don't we hang out in my game room and play some air hockey mm -hmm. and, and hit the machines? And so it's a great way just to bond. And as I say before, you know, people do not really connect to certain environments as they're here for the paycheck. And I get the game, mm. but I grew up a certain way of old school. Like he respected the coach that taught you how to do a home run. Or for me, my ice hockey goalie coaches. I even met Bernie Perrault one time. And so these are my heroes. These are the ones that had the grit and the mm. determination, the endurance. They were able to get past the naysayers and great believers and not ride off in the sunset, come in from the sunset and save the town. And I needed that sort of adventure. We had to slay a dragon. And so when you're talking about in your case, a bottleneck. It's really about my friend. It's really about letting go. It's yeah. about letting go of certain weights. But then you say, Richard, how do you do it? We study the, the charts and, and, and these statistics. Well, guess what, man? You might not have the time and you might not have all the, all the fat. You sometimes got to go with your heart. And I was doing a lot of thinking before coming on your podcast today because your audience is great and, and you've had so many professionals here. And, and what advice can I give? I'm an owner of a call center. I'm going to give some general advice. I look mm -hmm. for people that have chivalry. I look mm -hmm. for these young kids that can show up on time, pen at the ready, and be coachable. And mm -hmm. if they don't have bad habits, I can mold them from a squire to a knight. I'll take a hot shot that comes in, but they can also muck things up and, and rock the boat. And for me, my longevity came from nurture. It came from these people that came in that I could balance their bike, 
play pinball with them because if you're not playing pinball with me, Lauren, then you really shouldn't be working with me. <laughs> I was about to ask, are you asking them to play pinball with you? <laughs> That's one of the best questions. It's even on like our phone. Well, you play games in the game room. Tell me, kid. Listen, my man, if you can't chill, yeah. then, it's not, then, then you're really not in the right place. So it's very easy for me to filter out naturally who can relax for a minute so we can build together and so I can then delegate, give more responsibilities and grow from there. Yeah, one, one of the best advice I ever received well, years ago, uh, it was during a management course, I think. Uh, it, the, 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 the trainer said, remember, it's only a job. I've, I've kept that with me all along. Just because it is only a job. Yes, in our case, in entrepreneur's case, we put our sweat. It's our baby, as we as we call it. But there are more important stuff, I believe, than you know your company to start with life and playing and playing pinball. <laughs> well, it's like a coming of age question I ask because I hate yeah. shiny objects because they're shiny. They can get uh, you know dust on them if you want. Uh, and the, and when people go to interviews, Lauren, it's very difficult as well because they're well rehearsed. Oh, they got all the answers to every question. So I ask them to turn their paper over and give me a coming of age moment, a time when you grew into a, a man or a woman, when, when you got to a certain stage where you beat up a bully or you saved a kitten or you surprised yourself because you did really the super right thing. And don't kid yourself. There's a lot of back pocket benefits that you have growing up. You remember the first time you were going for things in athletics and romance and academics? I mean, how about the time you did stand up to a bully or you protected somebody? That's pretty freaking cool when you were nine. It showed some real, some real character and some real courage. And I think when you have leadership skills, it's, you got to extend empathy. It's not just about, you know, breaking down towers and building your own. You, you, you have to incorporate others. And if you've traveled the world and I'm an expat, and you're yeah. going to France on your vacation, which I'm so jealous. You're going to have the best time of your life. <laughs> but you know you're a guest somewhere. And so if you keep an open mind and you might even learn the language and, and you show good faith, then you're embraced and you can really grow from there. And you realize what the priorities are in life. What's important for you in one area of the world really doesn't mean something anywhere else. And so they really look to the depth of the individual. And if you're served a second plate of food when you're invited into somebody's home for dinner, that's the greatest compliment you could ever get anywhere in the world. True. It's a good one. When we uh, prepared this uh, uh, podcast together, you told me that uh, the way you've built your business sucked. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long way up. That way, that way are your words. <laughs> Can you tell me more about it? You look at it as leverage, and I have to mm. talk about it candidly as a ceo you don't want attrition mm. but if you have such a selected industry where it's a certain scientist that works on one thing he can't go anywhere and he has no left as even chris rock says you're only as good as your options and so i'm here at a call center in costa rica where i compete against amazon and i respect them so because they've trained so many and invested so much they're great and that's why i compete against it's the same story and so if somebody could leave me today and for an entry-level base salary match it, be working at Amazon tomorrow. So let's just say I want to get Billy to make more phone calls. Well, I could threaten you, and then you could also quit by lunchtime. And so I want to bend you. I just don't want to break you. And as I mentioned before, instead of getting to that stage where someone's quitting at 11 a.m., I would have had about seven checkpoints prior to that. I believe in preventions and step cures. That's why I don't believe in, in such boasting in the beginning. 
and saying you want to be a supervisor in the first day. Yo, champs, I don't even know you. Mm. And it's not about me promoting you. What about if the people don't respect you? That's the sort of environment that I've created. It's organic, my man. You just can't come in at, like an ace. Prove it to me by, you know, doing it not the hard way, just the normal way, the way I did it. And so I, I think people burn out too fast or they overpromise. And I'm not looking for those sort of things. I just want to see if someone has common sense, a clear thought, lives in the moment, can look around for me and be a scout so they can tell me what's going on two kilometers down the road. And so if you're making these phone calls on a project, give me the, you know, the, the rebuttals. Let's talk about the list. Let's get on the phone with the client. So information is key. And if you're afraid to speak with me, that's, that's your morbid anticipation. It's not mine. I, I hired you to work with me. Mm. And come to me during good times and bad times. That's chaos and character. And so it's very simple for me looking at just on people, not just ethics and morals. You know, that's time. But are they doing the correct thing when they should be doing it and accountable? And if I can do that, I can build bricks and blocks mm. and get higher. And and I've seen that. And I've also seen where people are specialists. There's right bus, right seat. I went from left wing to goalie, and I've been goalie since I was seven years old. And so mm. I mean, that's just how it, how it goes. And there are some people that are better on certain campaigns, and I don't want to squeeze you out of the company or make you hate me. If you come to me and you let me know that you've put in your time, you've gotten your scars, you did two years on this campaign, but my man, please let me put on this new campaign. It looks fresh and clean, and I think I've earned it. And I say, Absolutely. And then, you know, it's kind of funny as well. If you come to my office like that, so sh show assertiveness, mm. usually the time to say, hey, man, I'm hiring 10 people for it. I'm going to take you and somebody else. And of course, now you're the supervisor because you have the track record with me, which we have a luxury. You've aced it on the other campaign. And I trust you. I know you're going to show up on time. So it's it's almost like a natural promotion that some people get as my company grows and they don't do it by angling in or kissing butt or throwing someone under the bus or backstabbing. And <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. Because as I say before, if there are openings and I see opportunity, then I don't push you in the deep end. Man, you've been swimming forever. I'm taking off these, these training rows. Enough already. Come on. Let's see what you can do. Like, you know, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, show me some flips and turns. Show me how you can fly. And maybe Lauren, you and I are the first people during their careers and their stages of growth that have given them this opportunity, but, but done it delicately where we still walk with them, but we've seen them for years. We know they can handle it. It's just a matter of getting them there. And then when they're there, they laugh about how easy it was. And then we take them to the next level. And so, you know, I'm celebrating 16 years. Some guy with me for 15 of them. I got a bunch of people with a decade. And what do you say to those people after 10 years? You, you can't really look at them as, as a boss anymore. It's more of not even feeding their family. They fed mine. What do you do? What do you say? How do you show such appreciation to somebody investing such time and putting such wind in your sails? And so I like to just do, I like to have coffee with those people every day mm. in my office if I bring in muffins and stuff, they get the muffin VIP. When it's pizza party, extra two or three on the side, they come in. They always know that they get the cut. Yeah. They get to eat with me and there's an asteroids machine in my office. So we talk smack there too. And um, they love it because I ask them the one question. Have you ever played asteroids eating pizza with your boss <laughs> on a Tuesday at two? And they go, no. And I go, you never will ever again. 
But when you do become a boss, Lauren, please do me this favor. Keep this tradition. Yeah. Because that's what you love the most, and that's what kept you here for 10 years. When, you, when you've had so many options, that's just some of my advice for growth. No, it's uh, they are very interesting, and uh, it resonates with me. But when I uh, was in Cambodia, I was I was managing a company of uh, fifty staff, more or less. I find that the most difficult challenge for me was uh, resistance to change, dealing with resistance to change. How do you? I'm sure you've seen that in your in your experience. That's sixteen years building building this uh, call center with 150 staff. Now, how do you deal with that through humor? It's like Groundhog Day. I keep stepping in that wet puddle. <laughs> Enough already. You got to change your, how you walk and you got to look down. Mm. So it's almost insanity. When you start seeing something not working after a while, you got to stop, drop, and roll. Okay. You got to figure out what's going on at the moment. And so a lot of it's trial and error. It could be ignorance because I was new. A lot of them I was daring. So I invested in people and was disappointed more than I was angry. Yeah. All right. And so. I tell you what, Lauren, that's why you have such a great podcast and, and you and I are friends because friends are the ones that call the balls and the strikes. And a real friend's the one that tells you if you need gum or if you have mustard on your face after eating a hot dog. It's a real friend. And so when I'm with the people, I have the luxury of a quality control department. And so you're asking me about the, the difficulties of growth and, and, and coming to realizations. Well, this is your recording. You're over-talking the client. He asked you a question. You weren't paying attention. Mm. You missed the email address because you're not doing military alphabet. I'm not saying it to them. They know it. And so these are the sort of the things where it's self-realization, and that's nice growth. Your shirt's wrinkled. You didn't iron it. I mean, people, I tell you what, when you use humor because you kind of laugh at it and you can smile about it, when you're vulnerable, you're powerful. That's number one. And secondly, if there is somebody that shows up with an iron shirt, does military alphabet, and he's the same age or younger than you, you know, that's kind of calling you out on it. Plus, you've been here seven months more than this guy. And so it's it's the kind of thing where it's not me from Philadelphia saying it. It's one of their own. You know, it's from down the way. And a lot of the times it's, <laughs> you're going to love this. Once again, it's not me. But if this individual is stepping up to the plate and he's a great example of making things happen, those are the guys that are hanging out in the lunchroom and in the game room. It's not always me always around. I'm, I'm not Willy Wonka. Mm. But when those guys have their moments of clarity and they go, yo, Lauren, you know you're the man. What's going on upstairs? They're the ones that are having the hearts to heart. And the one guy's like, well, this and that. And he goes, listen, I did it. You can do it too. And and don't kid yourself. My We call them portavos. These are individuals that are that are mediums. They, they, they will speak for us. They are our bridges, our anchors. I mean, would I'm, you really want me walking around all day long, pounding my chest and doing CEO ego? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but when I've had the kid that has, has cracked the code, right? He's, he shed skin. Come on, Lauren, you've seen these kids. Hey, and that's the word that they're the, the ones that one will then make. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. I agree with you. But earlier on, you said letting go was the most difficult part. You know, the bottleneck was letting go. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs who still walk around with the CEO ego on because they can't let go. That was you. How did you let go? The reality is if somebody leaves because I made Skippy cry, then I got to change my attitude. Yeah. But then again, if I'm not real, it's a mask. It will come down. It won't be authentic. And they'll see through that too. And then I won't have my spark and my sizzle. So then what? That's not fun. 
And so I had to find that happy medium. And one of the first things I did was when people come in before going into a training class to go into the game room. So that reduces stress, makes friends. Secondly, I do about two hours of soft skills training. Mm -hmm. So I let them know they're in my wheelhouse. Listen, my good friend, I've spent two decades in the call center industry. I write rhetoric. I've listened to 10,000 phone calls. I've trained 10,000 people. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's just something that's not second nature, but I've expanded it with thoughts in regards to micro expression reading and certain sort of rhetoric. And so when they come and I do the training class, I do my backflips. I do my rhetoric. And a lot of this stuff is about giving my own example of when I was growing in their shoes. So I'm letting them know the Rocky shots. I'm letting them know how to also be Clubber Lang and Abalo and Drago and all those guys. And so, you know, I'm not giving them shortcuts. You got to practice shortcuts. It's about dedicated practice like Daniel's son and the Karate Kid. It's Miyagi's cool, but man, you got to go out there and practice. Now, they are bilingual which Lauren bears the mark of higher education. I love when people are bilingual, but he has a slight accent. It's a beauty mark. It's the most wonderful thing ever you could have is an accent. Now, once again, I have to establish the fact that you shouldn't be afraid of me. If you are, then what are you afraid of a cop, a teacher? If you're not breaking the law or cheating, what's your problem? Mm. And if you're coming to work and I'm paying you, you're ripping it. I'm your biggest fan. I mean, get over that phobia. And don't blame me what happened at your last job when your manager was had coffee breath and was screaming at everybody because he's under pressure. And you know what, Lauren? I feel bad for those old warriors. It's funny. You'll get a top person on a phone and the CEO believes that that individual can then reproduce 100 of them. Sometimes it can happen, but other times it can't. It almost reminds me of the movie Starship Troopers. Where they took out this, you know, this one sergeant that was training people through him as a private, and he's the one who caught the thing at the end. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, you don't want to take a bull out of this ring. And if someone's ripping the phone, you might get more out of people sitting around him, onboarding next to him, side by sides. Maybe if you want him to do a training class, fine, cameo, get him in. But don't you dare take him off the phone when he's your top sniper. And people are high-fiving around him, bells are ringing, and you're like, what does this guy have? He's magic. Mm. And so I, I protest. And so when people are put in those positions, I have empathy towards them because I, they're the best at what they were. And they're trying to push you differently than the way that that individual got to that level. He got there through his spirit. Now he's trying to get there through fear. And that's not right. And a lot of the times it's through money. And money is fine, but as long as it's done ethically... But mind you this, the greatest artists are the ones that paint from the heart, not commission. You'll make money and you don't want to be a starving artist. But I tell you what, some of the greatest creations are the ones when people just sat down and wrote or sculpted or painted or did a drawing just from the heart because they felt it at that moment. No one was around. They didn't have to show anybody. And that's really when the inner part comes outward. And that's when I believe magic happens. And that's how I figured out my logo when i was playing with plasticine clay mm -hmm. 16 years ago and how does it come from plasticine clay chilling in costa rica in between jobs to now being a ceo of a call center so it's twists and turns but um how about this real quick this didn't happen like this i started out by renting turnkey stations so i was able to get the internet 
a station, coffee, a bathroom that just wasn't private, but I could scale accordingly and they paid for the server room and rent and everything. And so that was good. But then once you got to a certain amount, you're, you're paying premium. So then I rented space for about six years and I bought equipment, but used equipment. There's a turnover in centers. Mm -hmm. So getting things almost out of the box, maybe a small scratch on it for pennies on the dollar. So I could scale that way. Did that for six years. And once I had the stability of the clients, I had the capital and I was ready to go. We purchased this building right? and put on a third floor. I restored 15 walls of original 1958 brick, made it art deco with neon lights. Why? Why not? <laughs> yeah, you have one time at it. But um, I tell you what, you're, you're talking about these CEOs. You got, you got to learn once in a while to stop, click your heels, take a breath. And it's not about how much money you have. Golden jewels lose its luster. Maybe it's about how many people you brought along with you. Mm. People that were surprised because they didn't know you had it in them. And it's just, um, those are the magic moments that you'll look back on. Those are the things that will make you smile. It's a great reminder that uh, every business is made by people. Sometimes we forget that. <laughs> I was the trunk of the tree, Lauren. I needed some branches and roots. I needed HR. I needed accountants, attorneys. I needed an IT department. I guess about a bottleneck, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, I mean, and I couldn't go to school eight different times. And so you have to. And I'm going to say it a second time. I've been disappointed mm -hmm. in the past. But fortunately for me, almost like a gambler, if you're hitting it like 66%, you're a winner. Um, if you're more than 50%, and thankfully for me, I'm a lot higher than that, uh, I've been able to sustain and grow. What were the key milestones? I mean, the top, maybe, you know, top two, three key milestones in the growth of your company over the, over the past 16 years? In the past 60 days. 16 years. Sorry. Oh, 16 years, excuse yeah. me. Well, I, I'll go start middle and end. Might as well go through three sections. He said, three milestones. The first one was February 6, 2008, when my good friend Rob in Florida gave me a call and said, hey, I want to hire one person for one week to make phone calls for me. We don't do that now. It's not our business model. But back then, I was like, I'm selling a cup of lemonade? Yeah. And like, oh, man. Oh, man. All oh, you have no idea that feeling when you saw the first spark. Everybody knows it. Oh, you can feel it. And I said, my goodness gracious, look what just happened. And so, yeah, that was a huge milestone for me. Mm. I called all the naysayers and I said, yeah, did it. <laughs> I got mine. All right. So let's go right into the middle. We'll go into this like, is, this is how you started. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Listen, I, I was down there working at my friend's call center for four years. I learned the business. Yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, I worked at a family real estate company just making calls for them. And then when the market fell out, I was in between jobs. Mm. But uh, yeah, I put up a website and I knew the business and I just didn't really know the C-level side of it. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It, you almost had to learn the hard way. So we're in our eighth year, right? So yeah. I moved out of the original turnkey station. We're in our second location. Things are rocking and rolling. And then all of a sudden, I lost my largest client. <laughs> and so I went down from about 89 seats to four seats. Whoa. Uh -huh. Whoa. And so you're paying rent every month and a good amount yeah. of rent. You might have had some savings, but that's being eaten up quick. How's your morale? What morale? <laughs> where, did, yeah. where did that go? And so yeah. you, you had to have some moments of clarity. Some, some people said you could, you know, let's just tie it up and say good run. And it was a fun cocktail story to tell 
or you can reinvest everything that you saved and try to build this company back again. It's one of the greatest decisions of my entire life. You sometimes have to make, and it was a calculated risk. I just wasn't putting everything on red and on a roulette table. I, I was in this business already for, for a period of time, eight years already. We had made some money. We had some clients. Things were moving and it's just, you know, something happened. So then what was the biggest I, lesson from, from this experience? Don't be too over dependent on one client. No, well, how, how about if you can't help it? How about if you only have <laughs> Yeah. Let's be right. What sort of business you think I run? I mean, so you have to be realistic sometimes. You have to be very fortunate. You have one client. And if you have a long line out front, then you still treat each person as if mm. they are your only client, even if they buy one slice. Yeah. Learn that too. Mm. That, that when I was rocking and rolling, those four seats kept me alive for a while. You got to think, and I didn't touch down to zero. That was the thing. I was losing money. I was bleeding. Mm. Mm. But think about those four seats. That plane was still off the ground. Yeah. If I had gone to zero, could you imagine zero, zero? That's the worst. Yeah. But if I was at four, you don't think I was going to keep that thing alive and, and love it? <laughs> that was the greatest thing ever. Because I remember when I had one seat for 50 hours. It's all relative. It's all relative. And you'll have your ups and your downs. And I, and I, I wish the greatest fortune that your entrepreneurs have the longest run. Cause I've had, I have run. Mm. I, I, and so this was a run. We reinvested six months later, started building it back up again, breaking even. Then all of a sudden, bang, a couple of really good clients again. And then we bought the, the other place. And so milestone today being on your, Cracking the third milestone that I am fortunately my good friend Lauren here today, today, letting you know that the spark almost went out and I came back again, having faith in myself and my skills and not doing it from ego, being realistic. What am I going to go out and start working at Honeywell? I mean, they're not going to hire me. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to work out. And, and I'm a, not a one trick pony. That's the beauty of the thing. Lightning did strike twice because a lot of the times you'll be second guessing yourself if it could happen again. And I almost had to learn the hard way and I did. And that's very humbling. And so when you hear me speak sincerely about the people that work with me and my clients, and being so grateful and a guest here, it's because I almost got knocked out, mm. but I didn't. And so since I was given this second breath and this second chance, it's almost like those writers that were saved from the gulags and from these firing squads. They're looking off into the distance and hearing church bells and seeing the sun. And they said, if I could only see that one more day, I will love it for the rest of my life. And so for me, I said to myself, and you asked, my moment of clarity was if I could ever build this company back up again, I will treat every day as if it were my last. And I will walk my rows and I will say good morning to everybody and, and know their name and hair. If their mother shows up, I'm going to go outside and tell your mother how awesome Lauren and tell you why you're the champ. And those are the sort of gifts that people go home and they talk about. And I, and I mean it. And so I'm old school, man. I was just raised a certain way to respect coaches and teachers and parents and certain people that have not proven themselves just through money, just through empathy and a smile. 
and paying it forward through knowledge or some sort of leverage that they had, like the guy that lets you come into the shop to watch them for an afternoon to see what it's like to put a bike tire on or something. I mean, those are good people. And the fact that I'm an old, bald man that owns call center, I'm capable of bringing people in and letting them sit and listen to English. And I can let them know without no repercussion, they can practice. Mm. There's no penalty. There's no zeros here. It's just about a learning process. And, and I love paying it forward. That's, that's one of the greatest things that I can do, my friend. And I think if an entrepreneur has that sort of spirit because they're riding the wave, get somebody else up on their body, you know, the balance that pays more than money because that person's going to talk about how awesome you are and you didn't have to pay to be their friend and mm. ask for something in return. You just did it because you were super cool. And you were just in the moment of, of being, you know, in good faith. That's all I got. I, I wish I had a million dollar IT law technical thing that, that can assist. But I think if you go back to how you were raised, then you're going to realize that people are not going to leave you. And instead of being an entrepreneur, now you're an owner and you're good. And the only way to become an owner is you got to have people working with you. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only way, it's the only way it happens. Yeah. And um, so, and then there are my thoughts on that. Yeah. What would be then to summarize this conversation? The one practical recommendation to other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? Very simple, my friend. Mm -hmm. Don't be hard on yourself. Listen, at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and put your head on a pillow. It's best that you're capable of looking in your own eyes. And realizing regardless of the outcome, you did your day with honorable intention. And if you can live with yourself like that, because I've learned that for the long game. I've done many sales jobs where I've earned money in the same day, same hour, same minute. But I've also had things that have taken years to produce money. Yeah. But you still have to give it the same sort of water and attention and love. And you have to do things like that. I... I believe that building a pipeline is good for an entrepreneur. You'll get your cold call closes, but you should also respect boundaries and follow through on times and commitments. And, and that's don't be hard on yourself if you don't close the deal during the meeting, if you made a certain impression, if you gave positive escalations like I did prior talking about matcha and how amazing, how amazing your associate is there that follows through on emails professionally and right up to the minute. And that's why your podcast and business is thriving because of your teammates. So don't be hard on yourself if people are having things outside the office, which may be affecting their performance. Do not be hard on yourself in regards to health. I've been working out since I was 17. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, Mr. Jim, but I know about that release and strength. Mm -hmm. And so I do that every day. I wash convertible on Sundays. I play pinball. So I think you need to give yourself me time to decompress and put that phone away. Absolutely. And that's another thing not to be hard on yourself. You're actually healing yourself by doing the things naturally that come to you. And, and don't be surprised, my friend, that some of the greatest ideas you have are when you take long showers, long walks, long plane rides, when you can decompress. And so you need to tap into that sort of thing that's been filtered through all of your distraction. It's almost like regressing to a stage of play of being six years old where you see the world, you just don't understand the concepts of it. Don't, 
don't let words and rules and laws and stuff like that cloud your mind. Don't break rules. But also then again, kind of see the fact that they have signs on a store to prevent shoplifting, but you're not a shoplifter and don't be offended by it. Let them know that it's something. I've never been offended by signs because I'm not stealing. And so these are the sort of things that people need to put into perspective. And that's just an example in business. Somebody could have a deep voice, smoke cigars, yell at people. Okay. But after your 12th year of working with them, you realize that old Bob is the nice. He's a barker. He's not a biter. Mm. And so you have to give benefits of doubt. Don't be hard on yourself from your misconceptions of people. You got to give it time. You got to read people and you got to put things into their shoes. It's one of the smartest arguments. It doesn't mean you necessarily agree with it, but you can understand it. Mm. And then that might adjust your tone, your pace, your level of speech, your rhetoric. And these are the sort of soft skills that I implement in my agents to not create just a certain company culture of mutual respect. But these are the sort of skills, my friend, that you use outside of the office to build that confidence and reliance and to maybe be the arbitrator, maybe the one to save the Thanksgiving dinner, the marriage, the friendship, the business relationship, because you're the common cool surgeon that can sew or the pilot that can land the plane. Damn it. (laughs) You as an entrepreneur and your amazing audience needs to not bust into conversation, but choose the appropriate time to do the right thing and to handle it. And I've seen that by being such an outsider here and fish out of water in Costa Rica, but I am bilingual in Spanish, so I have that. Mm. It's enabled me to, to mix so much in that soup and it tastes so good. And it enables me to use my Northeast Philly and my Spanish, my University of Arizona, and living in Europe, and being here, and married to a Costa Rican, that it's almost like an athlete or a fighter that has so many sports or so many moves. Yeah. I can choose seven ways to make sure that we can end well. I promise you, I'll find something on Richard's menu to calm you down and to make sure everybody leaves something on the table and is happy, or or to assist when people are lost for words because they don't know how to express oneself. That's part of being an entrepreneur as well, extending your vocabulary and your diplomacy and your strategy mm. and not through profanity. You got to be like Eminem in 8 Mile and give such strong arguments that someone just drops a mic. Those are my thoughts, Lauren. See what you do on your podcast, you get everybody excited and say, <laughs> if you get these sort of skills, you will be less hard on yourself because you'll always be doing the right thing. Amazing uh, mad dropping moment to close to close this uh, <laughs> podcast. One last question, Richard. How can people contact you? I appreciate that. Well, first, I'm very happy to be a guest here once again. And if any of your audience wants to buy a plane ticket and fly to sunny Costa Rica, come see me. <laughs> I have a thousand recommendations for you. It's such a beautiful place. Real quick for your audience, we are north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're the only democratic society in Central America. No standing army. So they put all that money into education with a 95% literacy rate. I mentioned Amazon, HP, Intel, Oracle here. We're known for medical and ecotourism and mm. some of the best surfing in the world. I love it here. It's, it's literally paradise. But I have an extremely large Facebook fan page, about 125,000 local Costa Rican chicos. And so you can wow. see the 
get a grasp of what's happening in Central America and what the market's doing. And um, I can't thank you enough. I know I zig and I zag. I just okay. wanted to make sure I... You're not I, the worst. You're not the worst. I had, I had worse. <laughs> did I just break up a little bit of that bottleneck for the call center industry? <laughs> you did. You reminded us. You reminded uh, us of uh, several really important points. You talk about consistency, letting go, having fun. Uh, yeah. Don't be hard. Don't be hard on yourself. All all of these are, are great insights. So thank you very much, uh, Richard, for for your time today. I appreciate it, Lauren. Happy holidays to you and happy New Year. Yes, because we are recording in December before the uh, before the holidays. That's why. <laughs> and thank you for listening. If you found this episode useful, then you're going to love this. I've put together a free online assessment that I call the Bottleneck Index. You answer a series of key questions around your working habits and it gives you your bottleneck score, along with some practical recommendations on how to thrive as an entrepreneur. Just visit my website and take it for free. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.